we're in a series right now talking about what we're all about here at the Ridge. So let me jump right into our current series, okay? And like I said, man, what we're doing and what we've been doing, if you've been coming over the past few weeks, we've been drilling down on the important details of our personal faith, but also the guiding principles of this church. You see, we know that if you want to have a, a great business plan or if you want to be great in, in sports, like with the Super Bowl coming up next Sunday, you know, a lot of times what these teams do is that they got to get back to the basics. And you got to really focus on the right things because if you're committed to the right things and doing them the right way, then it will produce the right results, right? There's a whole lot of rights in there. But yes, doing things the right way will produce the right results. And and the church, the church is really no different, right? You see, at the Ridge here, we have a plan. And and we're committed to living into the basics. And if we live into the values, into these basics, then what we believe is that we'll get a win for this church. But more importantly than that, we'll get a win for the kingdom of God. So what are the basics? Like, what are those values? What are those things that we focus in on? Well, our values come from two very important pieces of Scripture, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. So let me lay this out for you again, um, just in case you missed the last couple of weeks. Or maybe you're new to church and you're like, I have no idea what the Great Commandment or the Great Commission are, like, and how do these values work? So let's walk through these together, okay? So two values come from the great commandment. When Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, here's how we put it. We put it as worship is a lifestyle, okay? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Worship is a lifestyle. And then when he says to love your neighbor as yourself, we put this value as saved people serve people. That's the value. And then when Jesus is about to ascend, you remember me talking about this last week? He, he gives some final instructions to his disciples. He gives this great commission, Okay, And he tells them what to be about until he returns again. And he gives these instructions to the church. So he says this. He says, go and make disciples. Okay, And we put that value, we summarize that as found people find people. Okay, He also says that you need to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we put that value as you can't do life alone. And then he says to teach these new disciples. When you're going out and you're finding people and you're bringing them into the family, God, you gotta teach them what it means to be a believer. You gotta teach them all the commands. And so we put this as growing people change, okay? So here's the five values, okay? And each week, what I've been doing is I've been kind of working through these, okay? And talking about why they're so important. In the first week, we talked about that value you can't do life alone. And we said, you know what? You're creative for community, You were meant to be a part of the family of God. Jesus wants you to be baptized. He wants you to be brought into the family. He wants you to be a part of a community. And we have to realize that that this is so important for us. We need it. In fact, it's so important here at the Ridge that, you know, we do different things to help people connect. You know, we had the women's event this past weekend. We've got two things coming up. We've got journey group registration that's going on right now. And we've got small group studies. We've got dinner groups. We've got email prayer groups. Because you weren't meant to do life alone. We got those. We want you to register. We also got Church 101 that's happening next Sunday. We want you to be a part of this church family. And we do all this, of course, because we want you involved in the community. It goes with our value. So that was the first week. And then the second week, last week, we went over the value save people, serve people. Okay? If we've accepted Christ as our Savior, then he is our example. We need to be out there helping one another. So we asked you last week to jump into a monthly ministry team 
to look for a way to serve Christ each and every day, no matter where you are, because when you, when you serve others, you're actually serving God. It's a way of serving him, which is pretty cool. So that leads us to today. The third value we're gonna focus on is this. Found people, find people. Found people, find people. Okay, Jesus tells us that we need to go out and make disciples. In other words, we need to be about the business. One of the main things you gotta focus on is getting out there and telling other people or helping people understand who God is and what it means to have faith in Jesus. Why is that so important? Here's why it's so important. It's because found people find people. That's what we do. Let me tell you a quick story to get us started. One time, Jesus was eating at the home of someone that everybody just despised. Nobody liked him. And his name was Zacchaeus. Y'all remember Zacchaeus? I bet y'all remember Zacchaeus if I did this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He climbed up in a sycamore tree too. Good job. Some of y'all are paying attention in children's church. I love it. I love doing that every time we talk about Zacchaeus. But in this story with Zacchaeus, Jesus, Jesus tells this about seeking those people that nobody really wanted to have anything to do with. And he says this in Luke chapter 19. He says, for the Son of Man, okay, pause for just a minute. Jesus often refers to himself as the Son of Man. What's so great is that he's the son of God, but he also is the son of man, which means he identifies both with God and with us, which is pretty amazing when you think about that, the incarnation, God coming to us. So when he talks about the son of man, he's talking about himself, and he says, I came to seek and save those who are lost. He came to seek those who are lost. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever been lost before? Better, better, better question. We've all been lost at the time. Have you ever lost a child before? Let me see. Raise your hands. You lost a child? Yes. Yes. All of us have been in those moments where we're looking around going, where is Johnny? I remember, I remember one time, this happened all the way back at United, um, when we were setting up, Shannon and I both drove two different cars. And you know, if you've been to church and you drive separate vehicles, what this can be like and forgetting who has the child. But we're both leaving from United Cheerleading. And Shannon calls me and she goes, you have say, right? And I said, no, why would I have say when you have say, right? Neither one of us. And then Clay is calling in. And Clay, I said, hold on, Clay's calling in. And I uh, pick up the phone and Clay said, hey, um, did you forget a child? Because say is standing right there by him. And and I said, yes, parents of the year, I'm concerned. And, you know, I turned around, I got off on Highway 80, came back around. And Clay on the phone with, is on the phone with me, and he looks over at Say, and he says, Say, bad news is your dad forgot you, but good news is he says he's getting you a pony. <laughs> I said, Clay, don't tell her that, I am not. <laughs> I don't feel that bad. <laughs> oh, gosh. But we know what it's like to be lost, right? We do, whether it's, our, whether it's us and we're in that situation, or we know what it's like to care about somebody that is, that's lost. It's not a good feeling to be lost. And since we're talking about this, you know, there's two types of people that are lost. Sometimes when you're lost, you know it, right? You come to this point where you just realize something's wrong. And most of us have been there before. But then again, sometimes we're lost and we don't know that we're lost, Right? You know, we, we've all had those moments where we finally wake up and we realize, this isn't where I thought I should be. You know, how did I get to, you know, here I thought that I was on the right, you know, right way, or, right, or I thought I knew where I was, but actually, 
I didn't know where I was at all. My point is, is that here's the deal. We're going to meet people like this in life when it comes to faith. Some of them know that they're lost and they want answers. Man, they're looking. They know something isn't right. They know something is missing. They know something's off. And then there are others in our life that are just cruising. And everybody else knows they're lost. Their family sees it. Their friends see it. But, you know, they don't really understand it. And they're just kind of cruising along clueless. And what's cool about this is that this value of found people, find people, this is what we're all about. We are out there seeking to save those who are both lost and know it and those who are lost and don't know it. And what's so cool is that this is part of the family business. Jesus Christ says, this is why I came. Man, this is part, this is the big part of why I'm here is to seek after those, to seek those people. And he wants us, his children, those people that are part of the family of God, everybody that's given their heart to Christ. And like we talked about in the first week, when we know that we're supposed to belong to the family of God, we're brought into the family of God, then it's our business too. And Jesus lays this out in John 17. Look at this. He says this. He's praying. And he says, in the same way, God, that you sent me into this world, I'm going to send them. Okay, Jesus is praying to God right before his death and right before the resurrection. He says, God, just as you brought me here to tell other people about you and you know, to, to, to share the gospel message, be about your kingdom coming here on this earth. I want my disciples to be about this. And then later on, after he's done with that prayer and he's teaching his disciples before he goes to the cross, he fills them in on what he prayed for. And he says this in John 20. He said, in the same way that the Father sent me, I'm going to send you. I prayed about this. This is what I want. In the same way that God has sent me to this earth to preach and to teach the gospel message, to bring God's kingdom here, I'm sending you to do the same thing. And not only did Jesus expect it, but then Paul, that, that, that writer that gave us so many wonderful books in the New Testament, man, he makes this a big part of what he talks about to the churches. He's telling these man, this is what you need to be about. This is huge. This is important. In fact, in Acts chapter 20, just before he's about to leave the church at Ephesus, he gathers the leaders, and he's like, let me share a few words. And he gives them all these like farewell kind of notes, this closing statement, and he says this to them. He says, this is Paul. He says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work that's assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is... This is this is amazing. He's grabbed, he's grabbed these church leaders at Ephesus. And he's like, come here. Come here, guys. Listen, I want to tell you all something. This, this is so important. He's like, everything I do, it's nothing unless I do this one thing. Everything else can count as nothing unless I'm about this one important value. And everybody's leaning in, and they're like, well, I got to know, what is this all about? And you, as a reader, when you're reading in Acts 20, you're probably, at the moment of this verse, you're leaning in, and you're like, what is it that's so important? And here, he tells us, he says, here it is, it's the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Man, he's like, this is what it's about. This is a big deal. This is what I want y'all to focus on. You see, every Christian is on the same mission from God. And if you don't know that God has called you to this type of ministry, the ministry of sharing, then chances are you're not doing a very good job at it. 
So maybe it's good for us every now and then just to take a moment and to be reminded about this, to get back to the basics and remember that found people, find people, that's what we're about. And why is it so important? It's important because we know what it's like to be found. We know, what it's, we know what it's like to realize that I'm not lost anymore, that I have a purpose in life. I, I understand what it's like to not only to know who God is, to understand that this God created everything and he created me, but not just to understand that, but to know that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, my Savior, and that changes my life. And when I understand that, I should want other people to know about that. You see, if I could sum it all up, the big reason that this is so important is because God wants to build a big family. God wants to get as many people in the family as possible. I mean, have you ever thought about why God doesn't, uh, why God doesn't just take us up once we believe in him? Like, why, why does he leave us around? Like, once you say the ABCs of salvation, like what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, like when you admit that you need Jesus, when you believe in his death and resurrection, when you commit your life, why, why doesn't Jesus just right then go, okay, that's good, boom, and you're flying through the air? Why does he leave us here? The reason he leaves us here is because we have a mission. God's creating a family. And he wants us to gather as many people as we can to be a part of that family. So if it's that important, like where... I know when I talk about this, people start, their heads start swimming and they're like, where do I go? Like, how do I find people? How do I share about Jesus? And in Acts, Jesus gives us a couple of instructions. I thought this was so neat. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus tells the disciples this. He says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So, you, you know, this... This, this attitude that you're supposed to have to get out there and share the gospel, bring God's kingdom down here, this is beyond anything that you're capable of, okay? It, it, like, it, this is too big for you, but don't worry because you're not going to always know what to say. You're not always going to know what to do. You're not always going to know what's next, but the Holy Spirit is going to be here and he'll give you the strength that you need. And then he says, and then you will be my witnesses, when the Holy Spirit is inside of you, which we all have, you'll be my witnesses and you'll tell people about me everywhere. And then he tells us where? In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So let me break this down for just a minute because I think what Jesus is trying to communicate to us is pretty cool. Found people, find people in four places. Number one, he starts with Jerusalem. He says, this is the first place you go. And this is basically where you're living. So basically, we think of this as the people right around you. You know, your Jerusalem. It could be your home, your family, your extended family. And then he moves from Jerusalem, and he broadens it out a little bit, and he goes, and also to Judea. Judea was the area that surrounded Jerusalem, okay? In other words, this is the area that you're familiar with, okay? This is your work, your school, Wherever the daily grind takes you. And then Jesus says, and then after, you know, you start here, then you go here, and then you go, and then he broadens it out even more, and then he goes, you go to Samaria. And this was the area, when Jesus brings this up, everybody's like, oh gosh, not Samaria, right? This is the region that's kind of unfamiliar. This is the northern part that people weren't really sure about. This was the area that most people tried to stay away from. 
So let me put it this way. This is the area of your life that Jesus would say, you know what, these, these are the people that might be different from you. I want you to spread out. I want you to reach. Keep stretching. And then Jesus says, and then even after Samaria, then he goes, I just want you to go to the ends of the earth, to the end of the world. Be my witness. Take that message as far as you can. So here's the process. He's like, start at home. Branch out into your bubble. And then move from there into an unknown territory. Stretch yourself a little bit and then just keep taking the message and finding people as far as you possibly can. You see, I think the biggest problem is when people think that they've accepted Jesus Christ and they think that they're saved and done. Like, hallelujah, glory to Jesus, I'm accepted, I'm in. Now all I have to do is wait for Jesus to return and I can't wait to get away from all these crazy people. Jesus, why don't you come back right now? And meanwhile, Jesus is up in heaven and he's like, I love these crazy people. (laughs) I want them to be a part of the family. We have work to do. I read a statistic in a Gallup poll that said in 2020, about 154 million Americans, it's about 47% of the population, go to church. Now, that sounds like a lot. But honestly, they just asked them if they attended church. And you know, everybody has different you know, standards for what it means to be a part of a church. So I wonder if that number is elevated. But even if that number were true, and it was right on the money, that still means that there's 175 million people that aren't involved in church in America. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean they don't believe in God. It doesn't necessarily mean they're, they're mad at the church. Here's what it means. I think it means that no one's invited them to come to church. And you know why I say that? I say that because another person, Tom Rainer, he put out a study and he claims that 96% of the people that he interviewed said they would go to church if they were invited. And they just don't want to go alone, which I totally get. So why don't we, if there's that many people out there, why aren't we out there inviting more people? Why why don't found people find more people? And I think the biggest thing, I think a lot of times, is that we're just scared. We're afraid. We're afraid sometimes that if we put ourselves out there, that they're going to ask us a question that we don't know the answer to. Some of us think that if we're going to be out there and we're going to invite people to church, that they're going to ask us these questions. And you know, I don't, I can't name all the books of the Bible, and I don't know why if there's a good God, bad things happen. So because I don't have my act together and I don't know all these answers, then I'm just not going to put myself out there, right? I should just keep my mouth shut because who am I? Here, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you permission to use a powerful phrase, Okay. So, are you ready for that? Anytime anybody asks you a question, right, and it's just one of those complicated questions that make your eyes cross and you have no idea what to say next. Here's what you, are you ready? Okay, this is, this is powerful. This is going to free you up. Here it is. Ready? I don't know. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor right now and just tell them, I don't know. I don't know. Tell them right now, I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't that feel good? It feels good. I don't know. 
I don't know. In fact, you can, you can follow it up and say, I don't know, but I'll ask my preacher, and then you may come ask me, and I'll be like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either, but good question. I'll look that up. <laughs> Did you try Google? Anyway, um, I don't know. Here's what you say. I don't know, but let me tell you what I do know. I don't know, but let me tell you what I do know. You see, just because you don't feel like you got all the answers, it doesn't stop the mission. It doesn't stop us from being called to share with others. Because you know what? There's millions of people that don't go to church. Some of them are located right here in Columbus and in Phoenix, Phoenix City. Those people that need to know about Jesus. They need to know. Everyone who knows is called to be on mission to find others. In fact, we find this all the way at the very beginning of the Gospels, even before there's a church, even when Jesus is just getting started. We find this story expanding on found people finding other people. Let me read you one of those stories. It comes from John chapter 1, verse 40. It says this. It says, Andrew, which is Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John had said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and he told him, we found the Messiah, which means the Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, but son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, two things about this, real quick. Andrew heard about Jesus from John And Andrew does not know a whole lot about Jesus at all at this point. This is very early on in Jesus' ministry. I'm sure that he probably told Peter, I don't know. Like, I I don't know. But, But he does know what he's found. He does know this person, Jesus Christ, has changed my life. You've got to come see him and decide for yourself. He goes to Peter. And he grabs him. And then when he, when he, when he goes to, to find his brother, he doesn't go on this long theological rant either on why he believes Jesus is the Messiah. No, no, no. He just says, come and see. Come and see. And you know what, other, you know what else strikes me when we, when we start this story? What if Andrew hadn't have brought Peter? Think about that for a minute. What if he hadn't? Because Peter is going to be the biggest, baddest disciple of them all, Right? For those of you that know the Bible, you know that he's going to be the rock, right? He's going to be the one that starts the future church. Praise God that Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. But what if he hadn't? And then I think about all those people in my life. Who might I might be missing out on? What if in my circle of friends is the next Billy Graham or or Andy Stanley or Mother Teresa or, or whoever, right? And they're just waiting for me to share. So the story isn't finished. Let's keep reading because found people keep finding people. Verse 43, it says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee, he found Philip. And he said to him, Come and follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. So chances are Philip had heard Andrew and Peter talking about him. So Philip then went to look for Nathaniel. And he told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets. Everybody back in the Old Testament, they've been talking about this guy. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And then he says, Nazareth exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, Nazareth, you got to know, is kind of like a, a little bit of a joke. Like, you know, you, you joked about people coming from that area. Kind of reminds me of Butts County. I don't know. I just, 
I always think of those funny names. I'm like, can anything good come out of Butts County? Anyway, um, some of y'all are probably, somebody here is probably from Butts County. Now you're upset with me. But anyway, he's joking. He's like, can anything good come out? This is Je- this Jesus from Nazareth. I know about this guy. Seriously? And Philip says, here, here's, he doesn't say he knows a lot. He doesn't go into this big theological spill. Philip just says, come and see. Come and see for yourself. As they approached, Jesus said, now here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Well, how do you know this about me, Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus goes on to say, you say that because you heard that I saw you at the tree. And Jesus says, in the King Jimmy version, he says, you ain't seen nothing yet. All these people found people finding people. What can we learn from these stories? How do we live out that mission of bringing people to Jesus? Let me give you three things to consider, okay? Uh, If you want to write these down. Number one, invite. Plain and simple. Invite people. And let me tell you, you guys are pretty awesome at this. I love it. There's not a Sunday that goes by that I'm not meeting somebody new or somebody checking it out for the second time. You know, and it's so awesome. I love it. Let me figure out something. You know who the best inviters are? They are the people that have recently made a decision for Jesus Christ. You know, they've just recently come to Christ. They're full of passion. They're full of fire. You know, I understand those prodigal son kind of moments where they've finally been found and they want others to be found. And they're, you know, it's just this powerful moment. And I totally get that. The second best inviters are those that haven't made a decision yet, but they're still thinking about it. They're like, you know, I'm not really sure what I believe, but I brought my friend to church this morning Um, because I don't know what this church is all about, and I just want somebody to be here with me just in case things get weird and y'all start handing out snakes or something, you know. You know, I I don't know what I don't know, and so I want somebody here with me, you know, to figure this whole Jesus thing out. Those are great inviters, too. So people who have first given their lives, people who are still looking, you know who are the worst inviters? If I can just be negative for a minute. Are the people that have been in church for 10 years or so, that they've just grown up in church. And the reason for that is because we form these little Christian bubbles. You know, when we come into church or whatever, maybe sometimes we're just drawn to the same people that we talk to, or we have these Christian bubbles that we associate outside of church. And, And that's not, I'm not saying that's wrong. I want you in journey groups. I want you being strengthened. Iron sharpens iron, Scripture says, you know, by the other believers in the community, of course. But what I'm saying is that, is that if that's all that happens and we huddle up in these little groups, then what we're doing is we've got our backs to the rest of the world. So what would it mean, maybe, if this is our value, if this is our focus, what would it mean for us maybe to be a little bit more intentional, right, in my daily life about looking for an opportunity to give an invitation to somebody, you know, maybe even online, people that are worshiping online, inviting somebody to join you on a Sunday to watch online. If you bring people to this church, we're going to do our best to make sure the worship is awesome, which the worship was awesome this morning, that the children and youth are amazing, and that the message is hopefully pretty good, okay? It's hit or miss sometimes, let's be honest. But we're going to do our best. So, 
Number one is invitation. Invite. Number two and number three kind of go together. Show and tell. All of us remember show and tell at school. So let's talk about this. Number two is show. When it comes to sharing our faith, we've got to be willing to show people the love of God. People need to know that they're loved. They have to. People need to know that they're not just some project, right? Like preacher said, I've got to invite somebody, so I might as well invite you. Yeah, don't say that. <laughs> don't do that. Like, I want them to be proud of me, so would you come to church? You know. I saw, so I remember visiting a church a long time ago, back before this church even got started, um, and they did something that I thought at the time was pretty cool, and then, I don't know, I kind of thought about it later, and it was kind of interesting, but the pastor had everybody write down a name on a door, and he, he put these doors up, or the doors leading in and out of the worship area, he wrote the name on it so that when you came in and when you're leaving, you'd see that name and be reminded, this is the person that I need to invite to church, um, which I thought was kind of cool. You know, put that in front of you every week. And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, well, what, what happens when Nathan comes to church, right? And you see their name up on the door, and he sees his name on the door. And You know, there are some people that would be excited about that. They love the attention. But then there are people that might be shy. And, you know, you see the name with the check mark or the line through. And I wonder if people might ask themselves, you know, did you invite me because you love me, like you care for me, or because... You know, it's a project. It's just to check a name. And, you know, I kind of went back and forth with that. But I think it just showed to me, it's like, you know, people need to know that they're loved. In a world that's desperate for love right now, right? People need to know that the reason that we're after them is because we love them. And we love them whether or not they're ever going to go to church or not. I love you regardless of it, whether or not you accept Christ or not, because that's what being a Christ follower is all about. It is showing the love of God regardless, and when you do that, and when you live that out, people can see it, and it's attractive. We show the love of Christ, but it's important for our words and our actions to be moving in the same direction. So that leads us to point number three. We've got to be willing to tell people too. We've got to be willing to tell people about God, about Jesus. Once you've shown them, you've got to tell them. They go together. Now, honestly, I'm not sure which one is more important. We've got to show love, but we've got to be willing to share Jesus. Peter teaches us this in 1 Peter. That disciple, right, that Andrew Wynn got, he later writes his own book, and he says this. If anybody asks why you believe as you do, you got to be ready to tell them. Don't you think Peter was probably thinking back to that moment with Andrew? He said, man, I'm so, I'm so glad he was willing to tell me. So if anybody asks you, it was important to me, if anybody asks you why you believe, you got to be ready to tell them. But here's what you do. you got to do it in a gentle and respectful way. I love that. When we tell people, we've got to do it with a gentle and respectful way. You know, one of the things that always sticks out to me are the people that uh, hold up the signs and yell. And You know, I was at a football game not too long ago, and somebody was out there with one of those big signs telling everybody where they were going to go if they didn't believe in Jesus and just yelling into this microphone. I was downtown in Columbus not too long ago um, eating ice cream back when it was warmer. And I was out on one corner. And on two other corners, there was these two guys yelling at everybody. 
and just telling them where they were going to go. And I, I just watched this unfold. Somebody came up to me, they, they saw me, and they said, Preacher, don't you want to go say something to them? I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not getting involved in all that. I'm not messing with that. But you know what? As many times as I've seen people do that, I've never once seen somebody go up and say, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Tell me more about this Jesus that's going to send me there. I've never once seen anybody. What I have seen and what I did see on the corners at Columbus that night was people fighting and arguing. Not a whole lot of love. And the reason it doesn't end well is because they're not doing what Peter told us to do. It's because it's not gentle. And it's not respectful. And that's the key, right? Nobody's going to be found any other way. I heard someone once say this. They said, you can never lead your enemies to Christ. You can only lead your friends. And I like that. I think we need to find common ground. I think we need to be willing to show that love to others. We need to be willing to tell it in a loving and grace-filled way. Let me leave you with one more verse that comes from Romans. It says this, before people can ask the Lord for help, they got to believe in him. And before they can believe in him, they got to hear about him. And for them to hear about the Lord, someone has to tell them. I love this. Before they can believe, they got to hear. And before they can hear, someone has to tell. It's just that simple. So we invite. And we show and tell the love of Jesus Christ. And why do we do it? We do it because found people find people. Let's pray together. God, I pray for everybody here. Maybe there's somebody in this room this morning that was brought to church or they're tuning in online for the very first time and and they don't have a personal relationship with you. Their friends told them about the ridge or, God, they have all these questions. God, I just pray that you would touch their heart. And let them know how much you love them. Let them know how much they're loved here. And if that's you and you're here, you're online this morning and you'd like to accept Christ as your Savior, then just pray this with me and say, Jesus, I don't understand everything. But I do know that I want you to save me. I confess that I'm sinful. I ask for forgiveness. And I pray that you would come into my life. God, would you help us fulfill the mission to bring people to know you, to know more about your saving grace? God, we have the best news that's ever been told that God himself came to this earth to save us from our sins. Nothing is more important than that. So God, may we just be reminded that it isn't something that only the preacher does or only my grandma does, but it's for all of us to do. God, we're all part of the family. And God, because of that, we understand that we're expected to carry out the mission to help others because found people find people. So open our eyes. Open our eyes, God. Whether it's in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of this world, open our eyes to see who we can invite and who we can show until your love. 
Jesus, we love you so much. We give you our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.